Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress.
pleasure to one be back in this church. Oh Lord. Oh, my spirit is so strong within me right now. And Father, I, I ask that you get me out of the way. Get me out of the way. I am not nervous. I get nervous every time I speak. I am not nervous. I am not anxious. For such a time as this. So I grabbed uh, some tissue because uh, as my title talks about a pupil's perspective in a pandemic, there's been a lot of tears um, in this pandemic, so I have no idea as the Lord speaks through me what may come out. Uh, I've already had a couple of shower moments over there, but uh, I wanna make sure that I'm ready. Um, that I take these glasses off and wipe my face. Um, but what I, what I wanna do before I pray, well, no, actually I wanna pray first. Father, I thank you for this day, the one in which you have made. Father, thank you for a fresh anointing on this morning. Father, you woke us this morning, and because of that, we're thankful. We don't take it for granted that we are breathing, we are walking, we are talking, we are with family, we are in the church. We feel your presence, Lord, and so we're thankful, Father, for who you are. Have your way in and through me today. Let your word be delivered through me. Not my will, but your will be done. All these things I ask in your son, Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen. So when I had to, uh, well, let me start. I'm probably already starting different than how I wrote it down, which means the Holy Spirit is leading me in this way. Um, my title, the title of this sermon or message, uh, I don't feel qualified to give a sermon, but my message that the Lord has given to me today is a pupil's perspective in a pandemic. And uh, as, Je Doc, as Deacon Gino was reading the word, the scripture that I provided because I had to provide scripture on Wednesday before uh, I spoke today and I was that was when I was anxious I'm not anxious now but I was anxious then uh, because I wanted to make sure I found the right scripture that would inform the word that God had to speak through me and uh, I question from Wednesday on to today whether that was the right scripture because I kept trying to get my message to conform to that word. But what I found that this morning is when Deacon Gino, Deacon Gino was reading that word with his melodic voice, that something moved inside of me. And that word that you spoke was to give me courageous, to be courageous, to give me courage, to be bold, to be strong, to remember that the Lord will not leave me nor forsake me. That he reminded me that I need to meditate on his word day and night. And that he's familiar with all my ways. So I wanna start by just saying thank you to our worship team 
Oh, y'all are so powerful. So very powerful. One of the songs was, I'm nothing without you. So breathe through me. Woo, that's a word. So I thought about this title and I've come across so many different titles. And I ended on a pupil's perspective in a pandemic, but also thought about from faith to fear to faith. But I went on a walk this week and uh, the Lord said, no, you're my pupil. I've been teaching you and, uh, and I want you to talk about this and I want you to use this word pupil. And um, a brother of mine had a chance to, um, the Lord put on his heart to teach us how the Lord was teaching him how to study the word one week ago today. And he broke down the word and he picked out words that he didn't understand, he looked them up. And then he realized that some words have double meanings. And sometimes you have to figure out the best word and plug it back into this word so that it can become clear to you. And so because of that lesson, because of that obedience in my brother doing what he was called to do, we all fed off of that this week. And so when the Lord said a pupil's perspective in a pandemic, I'm like, okay, right. I'm a pupil. I want to learn. I want to sit at his feet. I want to hear from him. I want to read and study this word and understand the direction that he wants to take me. But then I realized, Lord, you're so tricky. You're so funny. What's a pupil? It's that little black hole in the middle of your eye. So it's how you see. It gives you sight. And in order for you to see, there's light that has to go through that reflects back out. So not only am I a pupil in terms of being taught, but I'm also giving, getting the right perspective. But I'm here to tell you guys, um, my wife looked at me for the first time. I mean, I'm wearing shorts and t-shirts, maybe throwing a polo with shorts as I'm zooming from home, zooming, working from home. And she saw me get dressed up today and I saw the look on her eyes. And so who knows? But I, I share that to you because I know that I look good because of how she looked at me this morning. Her pupil told me everything. But I'm also here to tell you that because I look spiffy maybe, I don't look like what I've been through, y'all. I do not look like what I've been through. And so I'm humbled by this opportunity and the belief that Pastor Preston had in me when she called me four months ago and said, I believe that you have a word from God for our people. And little does she know as I go back and I think about that, what a 
terrible, deep, dark time I was going through. And I told her, I said, I got to get back to you. I don't think you called the right number. Because I know how imperfect, how flawed I am in my flesh. And I was going through a time which was at the beginning of this pandemic, which is probably one of the deepest, darkest places I've ever been. And I could not admit it because I knew that so many people were depending on me. One of the things my boss says to us all the time is, raise your hand. Easy to say, hard to do. Hard to do. And our ego sometimes, many a times, won't allow us to say we need help. Say that I'm weak, that I don't know. But, but I'm thankful, y'all. I'm thankful in that, Pastor Classy, your belief in me during a time where I couldn't see it in myself started to transition and move something in me. And I didn't see it immediately. I was in a pit. I was in a valley. It was dark, y'all. And before I get too far into this, I have to do this. I have to say congratulations to Pastor Joseph. Yesterday was his five-year anniversary as associate, as associate pastor. And uh, Evan, don't leave yet, son. Let me say something about you first, and then you can go. I know you got to go to the bathroom. But I told Pastor Joseph this week, I said, I said, man, I thought you had been here since the church's inception. And I think he took it the wrong way. I wasn't calling him old. What I was saying is that the level of wisdom, influence, and impact that he has is far beyond the chronological years of five. And I've watched him from the time that I walked into this door at this church. And so I'm thankful, and I want to make sure I pay homage and honor to him. Also today is significant in that my oldest brother, who is also Raymond Harrison, I know, my dad is Raymond Harrison, my brother's Raymond Harrison, my oldest, I'm Raymond Harrison, yeah, a little George Foreman thing going on. My, my wife can tell you how that played out at our wedding. Um, but he turned 55 today. So I want to wish my brother a happy birthday, and I love you. I love you. So as I sit here right in front of you all, um, I am so excited to have uh, our family together here in the sanctuary. Just to have their love, their support, their energy is really booing me right now. And I'm trying to make sure that I stay on task and stay in order. But I remember, it's been a while since we've been in here. So I think we came in as a family maybe a month, three weeks ago to take pictures. 
but the last time we've actually been in the sanctuary for a service was about six months ago when uh, our, our youngest, our eight-year-old, got baptized and gave his life to Christ right back here. As I was walking through this week, and I was thinking about what to share and how God was putting something on my heart, I was taking our oldest son to, um, to get his braces removed. And uh, I'm gonna embarrass him, I told him last night, he looks like a model man now, he's, he's a handsome dude. And um, slim, strong, pretty. Um, but uh, one of the things I, I, he didn't know, I'm pretty sure he didn't know, but he gave me a pep talk on Wednesday. As, well, as I was taking him to, to get his braces removed, uh, I was also listening in on a Bible study with a group of what I call seasoned saints. At 46, I'm by far the youngest person in the group, and I absolutely love that because God answered a prayer for me in that way. Because I've always just wanted to sit the feet at elders and listen because there's so much wisdom in those scars. And I know that there are so many things that we can learn through mistakes, but there's so many things we don't have to learn if we just listen. And as we were listening, he didn't have his AirPods in that morning. And there was, these guys were talking about where they had fallen short. They were being fully authentic. They weren't posting pictures, perfect photos on Instagram. They were showing their scars. And it moved me. And I just said to my son, I said, son, we've been through a lot before, during this pandemic. And I said, son, I just hope that I'm doing okay by you. And he said, dad, you're doing better than okay. <laughs> he said, dad, you're doing better than okay. I've not always done right by him. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. But God, but God, that warmed my heart. It was the best compliment at the right moment. I've not been the best dad, but it's not because I wasn't trying. It was because I was trying to take a formula that was used by my dad and applying it. And God had to tell me that he is not you and you are not him. So you need to seek me on how to raise this boy. And you need to model for him that which you expect. So you need to get some things in your life in order first. And I promise you, though, I promise you this, the truth is hard to hear. But if we're willing to listen, if we're willing to receive, we can be transformed by that truth. And so when my son says to me, you're doing better than okay, I'll take it. Because it may not seem like an extreme compliment to some of you, but in our home, 
we know how huge that is. And so we say glory to God, glory to God. So as I go through a lesson, this pupil perspective in a pandemic, there are certain lessons. And one of the first lessons for me is that the most challenging to roll the most challenging role to lead in has been in the home. Because the people there see you for your full selves. They see everything. They're not seeing your representative. They're not seeing your, your bridal sense that you take to work. They see you for who you are. And the biggest thing and the greatest thing that God has kept telling me is, Raymond, if you believe in me, make sure you're leading them the right way. And the way to lead them is how they see you. So there's some things you got to cut out. There's some things that you got to let me refine in you. It's a difficult process. That pruning process, that valley, those valley moments, that time in that pit. And so being a parent is tough, but so is being a husband. And I thank God for what he brought to me. September 7th would have been 20 years the day that we went that he sent you to Louisville, Kentucky from Indianapolis, Indiana. And we didn't have any interest in each, each other. But the Lord said, that's going to be your wife. And we talked about how imperfect we were. And over 20 years, she's told me how imperfect I am. But I am thankful for her because when someone will not give me truth, I can count on her no matter how hard it is and how difficult it is to take. And because of that receiving of that hard truth over 20 years, I've been taught how to better love her better than I've ever had in my life. And I don't sit up here and claim to be a great husband. That's not for me to determine. All I know is I'm working daily to be better. And I'm not doing it on my own accord. Because I know me. So I'm thankful for my family and the lessons that I continue to learn. And so part of one of the lessons that I learned, and I hope as I'm sharing my story, that there's something in there where Lord is being able to speak to you and your story. As I read the word, one of the things I try to do is I try to put my name into the, into the place of a disciple so that I can have more of a first-person account because I want to make it personal. Because I really am convinced that it's not about where we're going. It's more important to God that he's changing us 
through this process. Because sometimes we think we're going somewhere that's not where he wants us to go. And what do they say? When we make our own plans, God laughs at us. He laughs at us. Because it's not about what we want, guys. It's not about what we want. So one of the things that I think, and I'll repeat one more time in our home, is that we've learned that we want to model how we deal with stress, anger, disappointment. We want to model to our boys how imperfect people deal with stuff, right? We want to make sure that we know how to acknowledge our mistakes, apologize, ask for forgiveness, and know that that forgiveness will be given because of our relationship with Almighty God. So, one of the things I was going to say is, I, I'm, I've been on this planet for 46 years. I've known about God all that time. My mom has always taken me to church. But I didn't make a decision until seven years ago that I decided that God was more important than everything else that I was doing. Because everything else that I was doing, I was making the most money I ever had. I had a great title. We had a huge, nice house that we ended up building. I had a nice company SUV vehicle, like one of my dream cars that I didn't have to pay for. But I realized how empty and how unfulfilled I was, no matter what I got. Because I was climbing, y'all. I was like, yeah, this is where I want to go. And when I get there, and it was such a dud. And he grabbed me and he says, it's okay, come to me. And so what happened is along that journey, he started surrounding me with men. And it started during our time in Texas. And I'm gonna just be really frank, I didn't have this in my notes, but Lord, you're telling me to say it, so I'm gonna say it. It was the first time that I had been in a Bible study type of environment with, with a bunch of black men. Because typically when I was with a bunch of black men, I played football, I played the fraternity. When I was used to being with a bunch of black men, we weren't telling each other how much we love each other, how much we love God, that we had each other's backs. We weren't sharing our deeper secrets. We were trying to show people how strong, how masculine, how cool we were. So when God put me in a situation during probably the most challenging transition for our family that we've ever been through, he put me in a group of men who loved him. And I just kept eating and I kept getting hungry. And when I would fall, I had people around me to pick me up, to sharpen me. And I no longer live in Texas, as you can tell. But those relationships in that tough time, because we didn't understand why it was so tough. And when I look back on it, if it was easier, then we wouldn't have grown closer in him. We wouldn't have had 
a greater relationship with him that defined the relationships that we had around us. And so there are times when we go through what we seem as our worst, best moments in our lives. I would describe that as one of my, our worst, best moments. So a pupil, a person usually young who is learning under the close supervision of a teacher, a private tutor, or the like. What has God taught me during this pandemic? One, he taught me that he was not happy with me. I was too occupied with my life and concerned and not concerned with him. And what I know is that we serve a jealous God. I also knew that during this time, I learned the hard way. So if the stove is hot, and I'm told that, unfortunately, I'm going to touch it to make sure. My mom would always call me and tell me I was hard-headed. And y'all know what that means. A hard head makes a soft behind, right? And so there was a lot of discipline, right? But I had to learn the hard way. So it's not uncommon that I had to go deep in this valley, in this pit, for God to teach me and give to me what he had for me. So I was in a pit, emotionally, spiritually, physically just down. I felt broken, incapable of being still long enough without distractions to focus on him or to hear his voice. I didn't know where things stood with my job. We were in the middle of a pandemic. I was thinking about all the scenarios that would play out. If I lose my job, how do I support my family? Lord, you told me this is where you wanted us to go. Now what? Sounded like a little bit like the Israelites when they were freed from Egypt. I couldn't shake it, but I knew I needed God. So I tried. I tried. Trying to sit still and hear from him was a struggle. I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do. But something happened. Once I got outside of thinking about why me and shifting to speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He was able to speak life into me. I began to start to understand that there was purpose behind that pain. He was teaching me, teaching me, and preparing me through his process for something ahead. Many times, unfortunately, we can't stand the heat and don't want to endure the pain and anguish. So we want to get out of that moment as quickly as we can. But we better be careful what we wish for. Because if we come out of it too quickly, that means we got to go back and get the full lesson. So what happened was, I got out of the pit a little prematurely. So I didn't fully get what he had that he was trying to get to me. So during those anxious times again, one of the things he did teach me was that I needed to live each moment and each day, one at a time, to not get caught up in 
the victories or the defeats of yesterday, do not bring those into today. Because I just saw somewhere, somewhere Lamentations 3, 23 maybe, I don't know, I don't, don't quote me on that, but his mercies and his compassions are new every morning. So every time we wake up, it's a new start, y'all. And I am so thankful that what I did yesterday does not have to carry into today. And then what he said is that you're anxious because of your uncertainty. You're thinking about something that may happen three days from now in a pandemic. Everything is changing every 20, uh, 20 minutes. So stop looking ahead and be where your feet are. Because that's all that's going to do is give you fear. The uncertainty breeds fear, which makes you anxious. So he says, don't worry about today or tomorrow because the day has enough trouble of its own. So in those times, I became impatient. My temper was short. And then he had to give me a better awareness of myself. And what he's taught me is that anger is an emotion. So do I still get angry or filled with passion and emotion? I do. I do. And I've tried to subdue that passion and that fire. But what he's taught me is that, no, I put that there. It's not for you to take away. Let me refine it. Let me refine it in you. Because that passion, that fire, that anger sometimes can be healthy and it can be helpful. But it's like a torch. And if you don't if you don't control that fire, you're going to consume everything in front of you, including those you love. So let me refine that. But in order to refine that, you've got to come back to me first. And so one of the words that uh, we had in 2019 as a family, where we had three words, we had the word pause, the word ponder, and the word patience. Pause and ponder were, they was e those were not easy, but they were easier. Patience, however, you don't get patience just by asking for patience. You get patience by being able to practice and exhibit it more and more. That's how you get it. And so I'm thankful during this journey that he showed me someplace in his word, in John 8, when Jesus was being accused by the Pharisees and was brought a, an adulterous woman. And they tried to catch him up and said, well, what do you think we should do about her? Jesus knew what should have been done. But what did he do? And I never forget the simple teaching. I'm a simple dude. He bent down. And he rode in the dirt. And I know about riding in the dirt, what we used to do when we played football games on the street in the hood, we would draw up our plays, right? It gave us a plan 
of where to go next. So I said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to implement that. I'm going to pause. I'm going to ponder. I'm going to recognize more about myself. When I feel myself, my temperature rising, I need to take a step back. I need to bend down. I need to take a time to draw up another play. Lord, what's the play you want me to run? So Jesus said to them at that point, after he got back up, he says, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And they all dispersed. Right? We are all imperfect and full of sin. So after learning all of this, now it was next to the midterm exam. And so the next lesson was taught during my homeschool curriculum. Not my boys. No, y'all heard me correctly. During my homeschool curriculum, where I was taught by Dr. Wife and the kid professors. You don't hear me. I was taught by Dr. Wife and the kid professors. The first ministry of teaching. God taught me some hard yet valuable lessons through those, two, those three teachers. Man, they got PhDs. Because many times what happens is when we walk into a room right now, I see all of you. But the person I can't see is me. And so what we need in our lives is somebody who we can count on to put a mirror up to us and to tell you what they think about how you're doing. Because many times we think we're doing a good job because that's what we're telling ourselves. But I tell you, when the people closest to you who know you the most start to tell you a little bit about yourself, it's a hard pill to swallow. But one of the things I think about is that God says in his word, those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves will be humble. I don't know about y'all, I don't want him to humble me no more. I got it. I, every morning, Lord, surrender, have your way. I want to die to myself, I want to pick up my cross, and I want to follow you. I don't want him to humble me. I want to humble myself so that I can look more like him, so I can look more like Jesus, so I can take Jesus out. Because one of the things I want, y'all, is if anybody starts to accuse people of following Jesus, I want to be found guilty. So do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. But part of learning is a, more, a really, really critical piece, which is to listen. 
You heard what I said, listen. Everybody thinks that they're good listeners. Some people think they're good listeners. But most times what happens is we're in such a hurry and some people we think take so long to get out their point that we're already thinking about how we're going to respond on what something they said three minutes ago. But what Lord, the Lord has done with me, he led me to James 1, a book of wisdom, 19 and 20. And I don't have to look down because I know what this word says. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, that God desires. I'm excited about what he wants. I haven't always been. So when God gives you the humility to hear from those closest to you who see you and know you the best, that truth can hurt. But that truth carries with it the power to transform us. In reading and studying God's Word and staying connected through an accountability partner or groups. And I'm telling you, it didn't just start in Texas where God surrounded me with men of God. It's continued here. I've got men of God in Texas and in Ohio, and everybody like, well, how did they get together? Well, the common theme is Raymond is calling everybody, asking him to be in a group with them. There's a Men of the Pack fellowship that I've been going to every week at work. I shouldn't say that, but I have. And I've seen so much growth in those men as they serve our students. I've seen so much growth as I have learned to serve all of the people that we get a chance to serve. And who's the best leadership leader to follow? I know who he is. But the problem is, we're too shy to talk about him these days. It's taboo. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So now that I'm closer to him, I know my father's voice. And now I'm able to distinguish between his whisper and his prompting between that enemy who's yelling accusations at me. Because that was the next thing I had to learn. I had to learn how to tell myself how to think as opposed to letting myself tell me how to think. What I've learned is that there is some toxic thinking that goes on in our head. And then many times, the opposition is not the people out in front of us. I'm saying, I'm not saying that bad things aren't done to us, but many times, if we don't see 
with the right perspective that he gives us through his pupil, we may not see things the way they really are. Because one of the things I know we need to do as believers, we should have had an advantage going into this pandemic. It ain't the first time we've heard about an invisible enemy. So everybody's trying to fight this invisible enemy at this level when we know all invisible enemies have to be, de be defeated at the spiritual level. So all I do is I just pray. Everybody, I, I'm wearing my mask. I'm on social distance. I'm going to wash my hands. I am on top of praying, on top of asking God, God, what are you teaching us in this? Because none of this is a surprise to him. None of it. And if we play, pay closer attention, we may realize that he's taking those things that we put in front of him. Because I told y'all, God wasn't happy with me. So could it be perhaps that he wasn't happy with us? He took our sports away. He took our ability to meet in our churches away. He took our jobs away. He took school away. He told us, y'all are not in control. So my question becomes, what are we going to do? Are we going to sit around and let history repeat itself? Will we wander around in the desert for 40 years because we've turned our back to him again and again and again? Or are we going to just say, Lord, I surrender, have your way. Let me tell this person about you. Let's multiply that way. Because one of the things I learned about social media is this. Lord may give me something, and I'll put it on there, and I'm telling you, it ain't my word, it's God's word. And I might get 20 likes. But then I look at Joe Blow over here who says something extremely negative, and he is blowing up. Everybody loves the controversy. But the problem is, and what I believe and what God has shown me, is there are actually more people who love him than they're letting on to believe. But it's going to take a few of us to be bold and be willing to talk about him. Because the word says wherever his word is teached, wherever he's brought up, whether in false preaching or true, he is there. And so I don't always go on my job and talk about Jesus, but I carry him with me. I want to make sure that my character represents his, and I don't always do it the right way. I fall short. But when I fall short, I make sure that I understand I'm going to go back in that valley again because he's going to have to prune me. He's going to have to refine me. So I don't want y'all to think just because I got out of that valley in that moment that I don't go every morning and get into a valley so that he can prepare me for each day. Because like I said to you, I don't look today like what I've been through this week. But God. And so when we have these toxic thoughts and these negative thoughts in our minds, what we've got to learn how to do is acknowledge that they're toxic thoughts and then we've got to now have a game plan. 
And our game plan needs to be, how do we take those thoughts and how do we take God's word and make those thoughts obedient? Because what I've learned is that if there is a field of dandelions and you start to pull them up, they're weeds. They don't go away by you pulling them up. The way you get rid of them is you overpower them with goodness, with, with, with weed eater, with, with water, with sunlight. You overpower them. So in our minds, sometimes what we're trying to do is pull these thoughts out and we think about them even more. So what we need to do is capture that thought and then tell yourself a fighter verse. And for me, in this season, it's been Psalm 23 and 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For God is with me. You are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And it gives me power. And that thing flees. And that's just one. There's temptation that comes all the way. I got a group of guys where we just say 1013. I got a 1013. Because we know when temptation comes, and it's going to come, it's nothing that's not common to mankind. But God is faithful. Even when we are tempted, he will provide a way of escape. But we got to look for the way. If you don't want to get out of it, you're going to stay in there. You're going to get caught in it. And so when I say at 1013, I don't just depend on them to pray on me. I'm praying for myself. And I saw the fruit of that last week because I was tempted to lose my temper. I was tempted to tell somebody what I thought about them. But God reminded me, it don't matter what you think about them. It matters what I think about them. So if you're going to continue to exhibit what I look like, you need to speak like me. So I'm going I'm to do this, guys, because I feel like I don't want to, I don't know how much time I have. I don't know how long I've gone. I really don't. Blame it on the Lord. So now we're transitioning back to the eyes from the teacher, a student, pupil, to now how do we see? And so what are you seeing? And then are you seeing in this pandemic is all that you are seeing is devastation and missing what he is actually doing in the midst of it. And I'm here to tell you, the word says, if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Because most times what happens is God is here. He don't move. It's us. Oh, I don't need him. Oh, I just do a little drive-by. I don't need him. And then you wonder when you're in that valley, you're like, God, where are you? Can't hear him. It ain't that he ain't there. So as we continue to draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And I want to abide in him because there's some things I can't do in my home without him. He's renewed me, y'all. And he's doing it every day. But I'm also giving him permission in my life and I'm surrendering him to him. So if we remain close enough to be in him and him in us, he will transform our sight. So I'm going to give you, I think, uh, seven things of what I've seen in this pandemic, okay? One, I've already mentioned this, is that Christ believers should have had an advantage because this is not the first time we've heard about an invisible enemy. That's one thing. Number two, many of us have gotten some great quality time with our family. 
some much needed time. Because I don't know about y'all, I spend the majority of my time at work and I spend this little bit of time at home. And then when I'm coming home from work, I got to make sure that I use this time to get ready to spend my time with my family so that I don't bring what I dealt with all day here. Because I've been on my best behavior here, but now I'm going to let my hair down here. So I want to make sure that that fire is refined and that is not meant for them. That fire is meant for the enemy who tries to come into my house. But I don't know that unless I know that I've got to make this transition. But the good thing is, we've had more time and quality time with our family. Three, church is most effective as a verb. You didn't hear me. Church is most effective as a verb. And I'm a witness. As a member of PGC, I talk to my friends, all these people that I'm in fellowship with, and I'm inviting them now to come to Bible study, watch us. So a lot of people are watching, so hopefully they watch again, and they watch again, because we can grow PGC outside of North Carolina. We already have. So what I've seen is that although we're not physically here, God has given us use of this technology, and I'm looking up top, and I see some wonderful men who give up their time to serve this church, to be able to do this and deliver this, and to stream this, and for us to stay connected in a Deacon family group in about an hour or so, and to now have some subcommittees that we get a chance to serve our church to do because everybody else will lead us to believe that we have not been doing church. On top of that, I've saved a lot of gas money. Number four, listen to me, hear me. And we're older a little bit in here at times. Our youth, is to change our future needs. We need to stop comparing the differences of our generations and criticizing theirs. I get to work. I live with two, but I get a chance to work with some of the most amazing, brave, impactful young people who are fed up with how things are going. But we want to put these bridles on them. No, let's take that same passion and let's teach them how to refine it, right? Because truly just being angry is not going to get anything done. You got to be strategic in how you use that anger and how you allow God to use that to make change. So we need to embrace them and their strengths, and then we need to help refine them in other areas. That's our jobs. Not to get in their way, but to teach them and lead them and guide them and show them because they're fed up. I'm fed up. I got two boys that I'm just, we're trying to do the best we can to raise them the right way. And you mean to tell me that may not be enough? So we pray the blood of Jesus over them every day. Because one of the things we've realized is that we're only stewarding. He belongs, they belong to him. 
Number five, there is value and appreciation in a hug and a handshake. I've been hugging a mess out of my family because I can't hug nobody else. Number six, for those loved ones, for those who had loved ones and others that God brought home to him during this time, I implore you to remember that Jesus conquered death. They are not dead. Although many are no longer with us physically, John Lewis, Chadwick Bozeman, the Black Panther, my father-in-law, Eddie Bland, a really good friend of mine who passed away three or four weeks ago when he didn't wake up at 49 years old. Much of what they did during their time here on Earth is still alive. There is much evidence of it. Much evidence of it. And there are three people outside of Jesus that I talk to every morning, y'all. I talk to my daddy, Raymond Harrison Sr. I talk to my daddy who adopted me, Eddie Bland, Eddie Harold Bland, who's my father-in-law who took me in 20 years ago and gave me the hand of his daughter and my good friend Kenneth Miles, who passed away three or four weeks ago. I talk to them every morning because they're with me. They're with me. Your loved ones are still with you. Number seven, we can't change the way people see us until we change the way we see ourselves. So I don't know who's listening. I know right now this is a mostly black congregation. And God told me don't worry about being politically correct and being safe. But we know, everybody knows all the social, racial injustice and everything that's going out in the world. But one of the things that God is continuing to put on my heart is that there is value in family. There is value in having mom and dad at home. There is value in teaching our young black men that it's okay to have one woman. Because part of our health as a people has to start in the institution of our families. As long as we're broken there, we're never, ever gonna go where he intended for us to go because that's his union. That matters to him. But we let so many distractions and so many things that happened long, long, long time ago, we still sabotage. So we can't change the way people see us until we change the way we see ourselves. And I was taught that authenticity is the way that God sees me. I want to see myself the way he sees me, not how any of you see me. I'm sorry, I love y'all, but I'm more interested in how, Lord, how do you see me? Because how you see me will define how they see me. So depending on your perspective, 
2020 can wind up being the worst thing that ever happened to this country, or at the same time, it could be the year we never knew we needed. One thing I've learned for sure, God is still on the throne. While much of what continues to happen with coronavirus, the racial and social injustice, the economy, and the upcoming elections, God is not surprised by any of it. Although th some things are coming back slowly, you know, movies, restaurants, sports, physical church, you know, jobs are coming back. This is what we've experienced during this pandemic. God shut down all the things that we put in front of him. Could this be similar to the pit experience that I talked about earlier? Could it be that he needed to get our collective attention to put our focus back on him? Will we learn the lessons or will we wander in the wilderness for 40 years like the Israelites? Brief history lesson, not all of them made it out. But there is hope, there is hope. Because when all looked lost and Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, there was another move on the board. With God, failure is never final. We will fail, sometimes daily. It's part of our growth. But like I said earlier, God is concerned about what, are we, be, what we are becoming. So make sure that you just visit failure. Don't live there. Just visit it. Embrace it, and then learn from it and go. Right? And the last thing as I wrap up, is perhaps the same vaccine for coronavirus, racial, social injustice, and the economy lies in the same source. Perhaps an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I was told to preach the gospel wherever I go when necessary, use words. I love y'all, I thank y'all, I am extremely humbled by this opportunity. God bless you.
message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org.